Welcome back to another episode of Shots from the Winchester podcast presented by Greencastle. I'm here today with Jeremy Strathmeyer. Hello. Hello. <laughs> we're going to do an episode of Get to Know the Gacker, so we're going to get to know everything about you. Oh, boy. <laughs> Won't take long. Um... <laughs> so before we start, we're in the Winchester, so we have to do a shot. Yes, so we do. what would you like to do a shot of? Uh, let's do some tequila. Okay. It's Friday. It's Friday, right? Yeah, it's exactly. five o'clock somewhere. Yep. <laughs> tequila is a fitting end of the week. Yep. Maybe not five o'clock here, but you know, no. somewhere, yes. Well, <laughs> just don't tell don't tell the boss. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Bartender. <laughs> prep the water, just uh, oh. you know. Oh. <laughs> All, All right. right, so let's, uh, cheers to Greencastle, cheers right? Cheers to Greencastle. Cheers. It's always good. Honestly, every time I do that, I'm, I have like a little panic before, and I do it, and I'm like, oh, it's actually good. I gotta take good. a drink after. It's all good. Mm. Okay, <sighs> so, part of getting to know you, um, mm -hmm. we're gonna start with, what do you do at Greencastle? Ooh, well, what don't I do at Greencastle? Uh, it feels true. like I'm a jack of all trades, master of none here. <laughs> um, so no, I'm a senior director. Uh, I, so I, I manage one of our uh, Fortune 500 clients. Uh, and we have multiple teams working for the client. And um, uh, it's, it's really cool to watch all the different uh, impacts we have in different areas uh, of each of our clients, but uh, mine specifically. So it's pretty neat. So I, I manage the client relationship. I manage the... Uh, um, all the professional development within all the team members. Uh, and then from a Greencastle perspective, you know, I, I help kind of lead the overall uh, company and, and um, you know, try to, try to see the goals come to fruition. Yeah, so reading between the lines, he's kind of a big deal. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, you know, you are. So how did you get to Greencastle? Like, how'd you find out about it? Oh, that's a funny story. So... Um, <laughs> Uh, I would have been, I was, in a, I was in a PA National Guard. I just recently retired in March. Um, prior to retiring, uh, I was assigned as the Command Sergeant Major for uh, the 28th Infantry Division Headquarters Battalion. Uh, well, within that battalion was one of uh, Greencastle's directors who was a major. We became good friends on a deployment over to Kuwait in 2018. Uh, and during our conversations, Greencastle came up uh, and he started recruiting me to Greencastle. Uh, shout out to Troy Bean. Uh, started recruiting me to Greencastle. Um, I was playing hard to get. I, I had a very, very um, satisfying career in law enforcement at the time. Uh, when, upon returning from Kuwait, um, I went back to police work. Troy went back, to, came back to Greencastle. Uh, it, it was I had a, I had a bad night at work, and Troy just happened to catch me at a time when I was reconsidering my career decisions uh, and my future. Uh, so I agreed to come in for an interview. Uh, I met with um, Eric Diamond, the CFO right now, and uh, Joe Crandall, who's the CEO now. They interviewed me, and I think I was number 24 in Greencastle hired at that time. Whew. And that was only three and a half years ago. And we're pushing 100 <laughs> people right now. Right. So the growth since I've joined has been astronomical. I'd like to say I, I moved up the ranks because I'm good. But I think I moved up the ranks because I was the only choice. <laughs> I was going to say that we're crediting the growth to you, right. your presence. People were like, well, got to come here because Jer's working here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then you touched on a couple things that we're going to kind of unpack. Sure. One is your military career, which sure. has been, 
you know, illustrious, let's say, right? Uh, illustrious. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> 25 years, right? 28. 28 years. Yeah, okay. 28. Um, we need to update the website. Then. <laughs> yeah. That was there when I... So been there us, since the creation of the website, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. So tell us about your military career, like hitting the high points, obviously. I mean, that's 28 years is a lot to kind of go oh, through. Oh, yeah. But. Jeez, I don't think we have enough time. Yep. Um, or enough tequila. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, um, so, you know, when I first joined, uh, I'll start there, but I won't linger there. Uh, you know, I joined because I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. So the military was more of a necessity for me than a want, right? I needed it. You know, it, you know, it wasn't something that I wanted. So, you know, I joined the military with the, uh, anticipation of just doing a couple years, getting money for college, uh, and then moving on to bigger and better things which ultimately was what I did, except I decided after my first go around on the active duty side um, to join the National Guard when I, when I separated from active duty. Uh, and then that was all she wrote after that. It was the National Guard um, uh, from there on out. Uh, I came out uh, off of active duty. I was down uh, in, in North Carolina. I was part of the 18th Airborne Corps. Uh, really loved that job. Um, that was a really, really fun time. I had a lot of great friends who I'm still in touch with 28 years later. Um, but when I came into the PA guard, um, it, it was, it was a game changer for me and my mentality as far as I'm now I'm doing this because I want to, not because I have to. So that was a neat, that was a neat transition for me. You know, at a very young age, I was 21, 22 when I separated from the active duty. So, um, it was, it was cool for me to like see that transition in myself and that spurred a little bit of patriotism. So, you know, when I came out, I was like, you know, I, I really enjoy serving my nation. I really want to serve my community. Um, so um, right after active duty, I got certified as an emergency medical technician. Uh, and I worked part-time. I'm sorry, I worked full-time on an ambulance as going to college part-time. So that was a really neat transition for me to go from federal service to local service. Uh, so as I was getting my, my college degree, I decided, you know, I want to, I want to do this for a career. You know, so um, I tested uh, for the York City Police Department. Uh, in York County, Pennsylvania, and uh, I was selected um, to uh, to be a York City police officer. So they sent me to the police academy. While in the police academy, 9/11 happened. Um, so everything changed at that point. Um, so the beginning of my law enforcement career also marked the beginning of my deployment career with the military. So um, during my police career, I did three year-long tours. Um, over in the Middle East, um, and then I would come home, go back to my police work, and then get deployed again somewhere else, and then come home, go back to police work, get deployed somewhere else. So, my both careers complemented each other. You know, I, I don't, I, I don't regret, you know, anything with either of my careers. They've both um, taught me a lot, made me who I am today. So, it's been a, it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, I, I stayed at York for 14 years, uh, and decided to retire from there early to move to a new department over in Lancaster, uh, where I live. Um, and I, I worked there for four years, Northern Lancaster County Regional Police Department. Uh, great group of people. I uh, really love that job. It was really hard for me to leave to come to Greencastle, but again, no regrets. So we'll backtrack a little bit. Sure. There's a couple questions I have about some of your military career. Um, so you had mentioned that you've had, I think, seven MOS. Is that correct? Yeah, it's seven MOSs. So talk through that and like the thought process of <laughs> switching. <laughs> oh boy. So um, 
The first couple were, well, honestly, all of them, uh, except for one, was not my choice. So, uh, you know, I joined the Army. I was infantry. I was in a, in a mechanized uh, unit with Bradley's. So, you know, obviously I got 11 Hotel, which was anti-armor. Um, and I also got 11 Mike, which was Bradley at the time. I don't think that one exists anymore. Uh, and then I was also 11 Bravo. So those were three of my, my first MOSs. Uh, and then when I, I, when I first joined, I was a reservist. I tried college, it didn't work for a semester. Then I went active duty. So when I went active duty, uh, in order to get an airborne contract, they wanted me to reclassify to artillery, which I did. So I went to 13 Bravo school, got, got, uh, got that MOS, some OJT. I got the 13 Fox um, MOS as well because of my infantry background. Uh, and my, my knowledge with artillery kind of complemented each other. Uh, and then um, there was one wayward MOS I had in the middle. It was 57 Echo, which was a shower specialist. So here I am, this Hula <laughs> infantry artillery airborne guy, and I got this shower specialist uh, MOS tied to me. So I have that. Um, and what is that? Sorry to interrupt you. That is a quartermaster MOS where you okay. go out and set up field showers for soldiers. Right. So wow. I was in the Army Reserve for a very short time. Yeah. Uh, and during that time, they got rid of combat arms in the reserves. So I was an infantryman. They got rid of the infantry. Mm. So the reserves wasn't going to let me go to the guard. So they put me in this quartermaster unit as a shower specialist. And I spent a very short time there uh, until I, I went active duty and went back to combat arms, <laughs> which was the catalyst of why I went active duty. I yeah. was not going to spend eight years doing setting up field, field showers. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Right, sure. But, you know, it just wasn't my cup of tea. So. Yeah. Um, and then the last MOS I, I achieved was combat medic. So um, right, actually right before 9-11, I decided to use, to use my EMT skills um, to become a combat medic in the military. Uh, so I did that. Uh, and all of my deployments were as a combat medic after that. So that's what I did in, in Iraq. Wow. Yep. So fun fact about that you told me about AIT. Yeah. Went into AIT and left <laughs> growing an inch and gaining weight, right? Yeah, Which is not typical. <laughs> absolutely crazy. So, you know, in basic training, you have, um, you know, the drill sergeants are in the chow hall with you and they're like, they're yelling at you, you know, yeah. eat faster, eat faster, eat faster. You know, and then you got that poor table over in the corner. It's all the heavy, heavy kids, right? <laughs> it's all the ones that they, they, they need to lose weight, right? And they're over there and they got their little muffin for breakfast, you know, and everyone else has their eggs and bacon and, you know, and, and uh, toast and everything. And they're going to town and there's these poor kids in the corner that have to lose weight just eating their little brand muffin, you know? Well, my sadistic uh, drill sergeants wanted me to put on weight because I was six foot four, 150 pounds. <laughs> oh my God. So to, to give you perspective, that is 100 pounds lighter than I am right now <laughs> and almost the same height. Right. So can you imagine how I must have looked as, you know, in, in basic training? So their goal was for me to gain weight. So they would give me three or four portions of food at each meal and yell at me while I ate. Well, the sadistic part of it was they would make me sit at the heavy kids table. <laughs> so here I would sit with all this food around all these kids that had to lose weight eating a bran muffin. And I'm just shoveling food in my mouth as a drill sergeant sitting there yelling at me. So this was every meal. 
I was, I'd never been more hungry between meals in my life. My metabolism was going so fast. I must've been eating eight or 10,000 calories a day, at least. That's a dream. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and you know, I, it was, it was unbelievable. So when, when my parents came to pick me up after AIT at Fort Benning, um, I was 210 pounds and I, I grew an inch and this was only August, September, October, November. So it was only four months that this, that this happened. So it was pretty significant. So my parents didn't even recognize me when they showed up, they walked right past me, uh, wow. didn't recognize me at all. And I, I was like, mom, dad. <laughs> and they turned around they're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like what happened to you? <laughs> you know, um, you know, fortunately back then it was 60 pounds of muscle where, you know, as you get older, it's yeah. not muscle anymore. It's more, uh, you know, it's more a fuel tank, you know, so yeah. Wow. I, I can't explain how you grew an inch. Like I'm not like typically when people are putting on mass, they're not like growing taller. Either. Yeah, I, so that's, that's pretty, uh, it's pretty good. And fun fact, after that, I grew another inch. So Okay. You know, yeah. So I ended up growing two inches after I went to basic training. But so your official height now six, is six, six, six. Yeah. yeah. So. so like the tallest person at GAC by a long shot. By well, not by a long shot. I think Tom's six four. Yeah, Tom is pretty yeah, tall. Yeah, Tom's pretty tall. Yeah. So yeah, but I, I might be the close. shortest one here. So you might be. Well, yeah. another fun fact: my <laughs> wife is four foot ten. Nine. Four foot nine. But Aww. just in case she watches this, she's, she's hopefully we can insert a little very picture, short. So you know? <laughs> yeah, she's very short. So that's um, cute. Yeah, it's cool. Oh, good, good. So we've learned about your military career, which I think is like really interesting. Before we move on to um, your career in law, law enforcement, mm -hmm. I kind of want to, you know, get a leadership lesson from you. you. You made it all the way to command sergeant major, which a lot of people don't. Um, you know, what, what's one leadership lesson you would give to, you know, the audience, people here, whoever? Be a servant leader. Be a servant leader. Don't, don't do it for yourself. Do it for everyone else. Um, you know, leaders eat last, right? Uh, it's, a, it's a great lesson I learned from uh, a mentor of mine, General Gronsky, who was here today. Um, you know, leaders eat last. And, and what that means, not only in the, in the obvious sense of, of that phrase, but, you know, it also means, you know, worry about everybody before you worry about yourself, right? So I want to make sure that everyone's taken care of and I want to go out of my way to make sure I have provided everything I possibly can to the, those that rely on me for leadership. So, you know, for, for me to, um, you know, come into work every day, I don't come into work for myself. I come into work for everyone that works for me, right? So I, I come in to make sure that they have what they need, they're empowered, they have the support. Um, and at every meeting, I let them know that I work for them, they don't work for me, right? So you tell me what you need me to do. And I, I think that's an important lesson uh, to learn um, at every leadership level, whether that be corporate, military, law enforcement, um, because law enforcement and military, specifically where my experience lies, you know, um, tend to promote bad people. Not all the time. There's a lot of great leaders, but there are certain um, instances where you know people that don't have the right traits or values get promoted into higher positions, and that breaks my heart. It really does, because there are people below them that want to do the right thing. They want to grow. They need that leadership. They need that, um, you know, that mentorship uh, and they don't get it. Uh, and that's a shame. It really yeah. is. Um, but I definitely don't want to be one of those people. And anytime I do see one of those people, I challenge them. So as, you um, should. as, as every leader should. Mm -hmm. 
So, you know, I encourage leaders to do that. Yeah, and that's, I think, why we work so well here because everybody's been in a leadership role of some kind. Mm -hmm. So I think we understand, one, how to be that person to call people out when they're doing, like, the wrong thing or something that's unsavory, we'll put it that way. <laughs> um, but then we also understand how to be a follower, too. Like, a good leader understands how to follow, too, right? Yep. So um, I think that's why we're able to get shit done here. Uh, <laughs> Every great leader is a better follower. Yeah. So yep. that's, a, that's a good good thing to remember. Yep. Yeah. So speaking of get shit done, um, mm -hmm. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention you have the coveted certification of GSD. I do. So explain yes. to the audience what that means. Well, in my particular case, I was the guinea pig uh, for the program. So I have the honor of being the first one to get the, the GSD certification for Greencastle. Uh, so the GSD was... Uh, um, it was a, it was a, a product of um, our senior leadership team, Joe, Eric, uh, and Troy, coming up with uh, a, a way to recognize the elite within the company, right? Um, and it was a way of saying, okay, you've met all these different blocks of training. You've got all these different certifications. You have applied these um, certifications with a client, uh, and you have received positive feedback from a client regarding all these different things. So you have to prove all that. So, um, you know, you, you put a pack together with all this, all these different requirements, um, you know, dozens and dozens of requirements go into this packet that you have to provide evidence of all these things. Uh, you submit it to a board, you go in front of a board, you get peppered with questions, and then the board decides whether or not you're, you know, you know you're uh, worthy of um, gaining the certification. So anybody can go to a PMP course take the PMP certification test, pass it, and be project management professional certified, right? Um, just based on their book knowledge, but there's no way to measure their effectiveness of using it, right? So this certification takes it to that next step. and says, okay, you've earned your PMP, now prove to me you know how to use it. Give me evidence from a client. I want a client feedback form that says you've used it and they are happy with your products. So that's what the GXP does, or the GSD does. It, it really kind of validates all the training that you've gotten, the formal, formalized training, all those little letters behind your name aren't just letters. They have, they have something, you know, in addition to just being letters. So that's cool. Yeah, it is cool. And you were, were you the first one? I was. So you're zero one, zero, on, zero, the, on one. the cool yep. necklace. On the cool necklace, I'm yeah. the zero zero one. We'll yeah. insert a picture of that too, because that's it's it's worth <laughs> it's worth bragging about. It's the honestly, bling. It's it the is bling. the flavor flame style. The flavor flame. I love it. So um, I want to hear about your family. Um, sure. You know, we talked about your very tiny wife. <laughs> My very tiny wife. Yep. Um, but I would love to hear more about her. And you have kids. So. I do. Yeah, I got two kids. Yeah. Um, we don't live in a tiny house, but I do have a tiny wife. <laughs> um, so uh, my wife, Michelle, and I met uh, back in 2003. Uh, and her father was a police officer. Her mother was a teacher. So she was also a teacher at the time. And I was a police officer at the time. So it just fit, you know. I uh, became instantly best friends with her dad and her mom, and uh, it was it was really it was really the right place. You know, it felt everything about it felt right. So uh, we ended up getting married in 2004, two days before the wedding. We found out she was pregnant with our first child. Um, so our honeymoon was kind of a bust, at least for her. Uh, I had a blast, <laughs> um, but for her, it probably wasn't the best. Yeah, yeah. So you know, we had a really good time uh, on the honeymoon. At least I did. Um, you know, my son, uh, Jimmy, uh, who's now 17, uh, was born 
uh, about a week before I left for Iraq. So uh, I got to spend a few days with him before I left. Uh, went went to uh, Iraq. It was an 18-month deployment. Uh, you know, that was tough. Uh, yeah. I really didn't get to know him until he was already walking. So it was wow. kind of a kind of a unique uh, position to be in. Uh, but she had she had the love and support of her parents, um, which was great. They they lived really very close, uh, and they made sure that she was taken care of. Um, so got home from that. wasn't home long before she was pregnant with our second child, uh, and then he was about a year and a half old, I think, when I got deployed the second time. So now she's home by herself with two young children, and wow. I'm off again for another year. Um, so uh got home from that and i was home fortunately for about eight years before i got deployed again so by then they were more self-sustaining and you know they were able to kind of take care of themselves a little bit better and um you know by now my wife was a um you know a, a pro you know so <laughs> yeah <laughs> she was able to take care of everything so yeah so i have two boys uh, 17 and 15 uh, jimmy and ryan uh and my wife michelle so kudos to michelle for not only being a military spouse, which is in itself challenging and difficult in so many different ways, but she was also also a law enforcement spouse, right? So yeah. like that, that's also tough, right? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. like she had the one-two punch there. Mm -hmm. um, so kudos to her and and all you know law enforcement and military spouses. That's a tough mm -hmm. job. It is. So it is. yeah, I I give her a lot of credit. Yeah, she's definitely strong and she's definitely earned a good retirement someday. So that's <laughs> what so we're working towards. Yeah. Um, I don't want to skip over the law enforcement stuff. Give sure. us like one, like maybe lesson learned, cool story, something you want to talk about. You had 18 <laughs> years, right? in yeah. law enforcement yeah. and you were doing things like SWAT team. And, um, were you a patrol sergeant? I think. Yep. Yeah. I was yeah. a patrol sergeant. I did, uh, did a lot of time as a field training officer. That was probably my favorite, uh, role of everything was mm -hmm. being an FTO. Cause I really loved connecting with the with the young folks coming in, because police work really is a young folks game. It, you know, especially if you're on patrol, um, you know, that's, that's definitely something that as you get older, you know, it gets a lot more difficult to do when you're doing swing shifts, you're wearing all that equipment, you're in and out of a car, um, you know, you're doing all kinds of physical training and things like that. Um, you know, so to be able to groom the new generation coming in was, was probably the most satisfying job I had in the police department. Um, and I was a field training officer in both departments I worked at. So, uh, it was definitely some, something I sought out, um, and it was just it was just neat to to pass on that knowledge. And I feel like the knowledge I had gained through experience, and that I was able to pass on to the next generation, really allowed me to, um, you know, just give back and and keep the tradition going and keep the knowledge base going. And um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Well, thank you for your service, both you. for military and for that, because it is a tough job. You know, is, and, yeah. and you did both. So I did. You know what I commend? I commend all of our military and all of our first responders out there for what yeah. they do, because it's a very thankless job. Um, and, it, it, you know, ironically enough, tomorrow morning, I'm giving a speech um, in Lancaster at the Lancaster County Veterans Memorial. And my topic is on patriotism and how it's diminished over time in regards to the military and first responders after 9-11. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's when you think back to, you know, September 12th of 2001 at like the way that the country was and the patriotism, you're right. Like, I mean, that was, we were at an all time high united together, like, yeah. and that, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know. People miss that. I feel like, you know, yeah, so. for sure. 
for so sure. Yeah, so yeah, you'll be speaking. That's right. And we'll make sure we, we highlight that. Um, that'll be really nice, I think. Yeah. So. Yeah, that'd be cool. I want to end with a fun fact that I'm curious about and everybody will probably be curious about. <laughs> you mentioned that you've had three last names. I have, yeah. Please explain that. <laughs> so I had a very uh, colorful childhood. Okay. Let's put it that way. So um, my sister and I, you know, uh, grew up with, uh, you know, with with the mom who, you know, was very, um, she, she loved to explore different facets of her life, whether that be a career, personal or whatever. Um, so we moved around a lot. Uh, we lived in a lot of different places. Um, and so the three last name things come, you know, my, my father, his last name was Berge, which is a very popular name in the Philadelphia area. Yeah. Um, distant relative of Bill Berge, who was uh, a linebacker for the Eagles mm -hmm. back in, you know, back in their first Super Bowl run in 1980. Um, so when my mom uh, and my father got divorced, she remarried to my sister's father and he adopted me and his last name was Orlando. So I ended up being in Orlando until I was about 10. And then she remarried to my now stepfather, uh, who his last name is Strathmire, which is a very Lancaster, York area name. Uh, and that's where I landed. So yeah. I never went back to my original last name, even though I still had a relationship with my father. Um, he's since passed away. That whole, my whole line on that side uh, has since passed away. Um, and I'm, I'm proud to be a Strathmire. I am. I mean, it's kind of, you know, I've grown up through the military, through the police work, you know, now here at Greencastle, that's who I am. And that's the family I belong to. And, you know, I'm still, I'm still close with some of the members on the Strathmire side. And, you know, um, you know, it's we have really good relationships and, you know, I'm proud to, I'm proud to continue to bear that last name. Yeah. It's, it's an iconic last name now because now, of you, yeah. right? Yeah, right, like right, right, right. <laughs> The Green Castle legacy, the military <laughs> legacy, the police legacy. I mean, you've done it all. So. I, well, not yet. We're, we're still working on doing everything, but I might be retired by then. But we'll see. Yeah. So uh, any last words of advice for the audience? Anything you want to say? Any fun fact? What do you want to leave them with? You know, I love, I love being uh, an advocate for veterans. Uh, you know, and one of the best parts about working here at Green Castle is that's what we do. Uh, and I was, you know, we have a great program here called SkillBridge. And what we do is we take transitioning active duty veterans and we, um, we bring them in before they separate from active service. Uh, we bring them in for up to six months and we teach them skills and we teach them, you know, all the different things they're going to need to know to survive in corporate America. Uh, and at the end of their, at the end of their, um, their, um, their time as an intern, uh, we're able to take them and turn them into uh, more civilian, um, civilianized, right, <laughs> yeah. person, right? So they can, they can navigate their way through all the different, uh, all the different challenges they're going to see as a civilian, but they're much more prepared after they come out of this program. And that to me is so satisfying to see, see these separated veterans who only known military service. They haven't known what we do and for them to then feel comfortable and safe to be able to learn it here, I think it's a really cool thing. So bottom line is appreciate your veterans, appreciate your first responders, you know, give them your support. Uh, and, you know, don't forget to buy them, a, buy them a cup of coffee just, or even just say thank you. 
Yeah. Um, you know, it goes a long way. It really does. Yeah. So. Totally agree. Great yeah. advice. Awesome. Jarrett, it was really nice to sit and talk with you, learn about you. We'll maybe have you back on because there's like so many other things to unpack <laughs> about you and you're a legend. So. Oh, a legend. Yeah. In my own total mind. legend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. You bet. <laughs>